Boom, put boom, 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 Welcome back. It's another episode of A Side B Side Podcast. How's it going, Adam? It's going well. How are you, Brooke? Pretty good. Pretty good. Watch anything good in this week? Do anything good? You know, things are starting to open back up. They are. Uh, I finished uh, WandaVision, which was pretty great. Very, very good. Yeah, very good. I have been so impressed with the entire series, and I have liked how each episode makes me want to go back and watch another one to kind of like catch the stuff I missed mm-hmm. which from a audience perspective I think that's pretty cool because it makes me then enjoy re-watching previous episodes which is that's a really unique skill so that's that's pretty cool uh here in Minnesota we are as you said mentioning like reopening which is nice and it's also been not stupid cold for like the week which means that I've spent way more time outside long dog walks with the pup and that has been really really good it's nice to get out and breathe air that doesn't hurt your face and also just spend some time away from screens and walk and talk and while i'm talking with the dog which i'm people might find that concerning but it's nice to kind of get out and just relax you know yeah, it's um, <clears throat> starting to warm up here. And of course, our numbers are finally going down, which is great because, you know, Kentucky has been a hot spot pretty much mm-hmm. this entire time. So it's nice to hear reports of, excuse me, of the governor saying that, you know, we're actually decreasing in numbers. And what are they saying now? One in four Americans is now at least first shot vaccinated. Mm-hmm. which is amazing seeing as like the shots still aren't available to everybody. So that's a good sign. Yeah. In, in Minnesota, just today, they expanded, like we have done a good job of getting the most vulnerable vaccinated to a level that the state is willing to open it up to other people. Mm-hmm. So uh, today they opened it up to food service workers, people who work in restaurants and anything to do with food. Uh, so I spent like a good two hours of my day today just signing up for various places, getting on a wait list. And it's still going to be three or four weeks for me to get a shot, but it's really exciting that it's even a possibility now and that we've reached a level where I don't have to, like the state has said, it's okay for you to try to get a shot mm-hmm. because you don't, you don't want to jump the line, you know? Are you jealous that I've already got my first shot? Yeah, I'm very jealous, actually. <laughs> and and here, here is like an only 2021 question that I could ask. Uh, but do you mind if I ask which, uh, which version of the shot did you get? Pfizer. Pfizer, okay. And the only reaction I really had was just a sore arm, which is expected. That's with pretty much any shot you get. But yeah, um, yeah so... Um, the process was really smooth. I mean, it took a little bit because there was so many people, which is a good thing. There were so many people yeah, there, yeah. the National Guard helping out. I mean, you you sign up, you get there at your allotted time, you get in line, um, you have to have your uh, ID. Well, here you have to have your ID and your insurance card. I don't know what it's like there. I'm, I'm assuming probably the same thing. And then you wait in yeah. line, they check you in, they give you your paper, they give you your immunization card you get your shot you wait 15 minutes and boom you're done yeah it's i mean it's it's 
really it's different in every state it feels like like because everyone's got their like every state has their own like sliding scale of who can get what when and the rules that you have to have to get it and i mean it's it's the beauty of america in that we have 50 relatively sovereign nations all working together Mm -hmm. uh but it also can be very confusing like i've had friends who've gone to north dakota because north dakota had so many vaccines they didn't have enough people that were willing to take them so they were like hey get here and if you, if you if you show up, we'll give you a shot, uh, because they were worried about the shots going bad. Uh, whereas there are other places where everyone's lined up for days and they don't have enough shots. So it's it's a very unique part of being America is that we have these fifty different you know state governments that kind of make it like we always think we're one country, but we're very much more like the European Union where we are fifty sovereign tiny nations that all have their own rules and we can be very confused by that so i am just waiting for my 21 days i get the second one and then the good news is the cdc is now saying that people that are completely vaccinated can be around each other and of course in small groups even with non-vaccinated people Um, Mm -hmm. And they're also saying the vaccines are even more effective than they initially thought. All of that is good news. That means we are hopefully on a path to getting back to normal. Yeah. I mean, we're at this weird kind of razor's edge where everyone's so excited that we're making progress that it's like every time I get sick, I'm sick for like a couple days and then I start to feel better and then I push myself too much. And then I have like a, a relapse, whether it's like the cold or the flu or whatever. Because I, I was like, as soon as I start to feel better, I'm super excited. I feel better. And I try to do too much. And then I wear myself out and I kind of crater again. So hopefully that temptation that I am not good at resisting is something that we as a country can resist for a little bit. Because when you can see the end line, it's really, really tempting to start sprinting when what got us here is a slow and steady pace. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from WandaVision, because we totally (laughs) went in a whole other direction. Have you um, watched anything else? Uh, I watched Ava on Netflix starring Jessica Chastain, which was, I liked it. Really? Yeah. You didn't like it? It was all right. I, I mean, it wasn't. It didn't change my world, but it like for a movie that I'm watching at 1 a.m. because I can't sleep, it definitely kept my attention. So well, I'm sure it kept sleep. your attention too because it was Jessica Chastain. Well, right, yeah, but you know, also it was not a horrible story. And Colin Farrell was in there. I was like, hey, look, it's Colin Farrell. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, John Malkovich. He kind of. Yeah, and I love John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell kind of dropped off the face of the earth for a while. I don't know what happened there. I think he had a family or something. Well, I mean, hey, good for him. Respect to that. I mean, but he he just kind of disappeared from movies and it felt like he was back and it was like, is that Colin Farrell? Why is Colin Farrell in this movie? I also rewatched Lucy with uh, Scarlett Johansson. I don't think I've ever seen that one. So so it's similar, but it's very, it's based on a comic book like most things and it's very science fiction and she takes 
like accidentally takes this drug and becomes superhuman and then keeps oh, having to take the drug. Yeah. Yeah. It is way gorier than I remembered. Uh, I don't know when I saw it the first time years ago, probably in the theater, but I was watching it and I was like, whoa, this is really intense. And there's a lot of blood, which I was not expecting. So um, also Morgan Freeman's in it, which is great. You can always, every everything gets better with Morgan Freeman. But uh, I enjoyed it more the second time, I think, because the first time I watched it was probably in the theater and I was like, meh. But uh, this time I, it just kind of came on the TV. It was on TNT, which, I mean, I think one of the defining characteristics of my movie watching as a youth and teenager, even as an adult, is just like flipping channels and then you find something. And nine times out of 10, it's on TNT, TBS, or USA. And it's a movie that you were like, oh, I kind of remember this movie. And you end up watching the whole thing because mm-hmm. they're kind of brilliant about putting it your face and you're like oh i'm just gonna stay here and you're like oh i've spent an hour and a half watching this movie well done cable czars i don't know whoever picks those movies they do a really good job of it because they've been doing it since i was like 10 years old the cable gods yeah which is weird because cable is no longer a god at this point it's at best a demigod that's true so it's like a a minor god the um what was the Rock's character in Moana, Maui. They're the Maui, yeah. Cable Mauis, because you know he's the demigod. Um, yeah, but he was super charismatic. I don't think TNT is as charismatic as it thinks it is. Apparently they are, because they got you trapped for an hour and a half. This is true. Yeah, fair. Touche. <laughs> um, Whoever picks their movies, they do a good job. So I, want, of course, finished WandaVision, like we just talked about. Coming to America hit Amazon Prime Friday. Um coming to america coming to the number two america watch that um, i've heard i i want to i want to watch it but i want to be in the like i don't so many times i watch movies while i'm doing something else and i don't want to waste that like i want to be able to sit down and just watch it because coming to america the, the original is one of my favorite movies that i remember from a kid and i often try to like, like I have two, like I do the whole like multiple screens thing and I don't want to waste that on coming to America. So I have to be in a spot where I'm ready to just sit down, pop some popcorn and like totally focus on the film. So I haven't watched it yet. So I'm not going to give you my review of it then. Cause I don't want to taint the movie for you. Well, no, but I'm actually super curious of what you're going to say. I'm not going to tell you because you need to watch it. Okay. Well, then we will talk about it next week. Okay. I will watch it between now and then because I have heard really good things from other people. Okay. Uh, also on <laughs> Amazon Prime, as soon as I finished Coming to America, I saw, I had heard on one of my favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder, they were uh, running a commercial for a show called Tell Me Your Secrets. And then a good friend of mine was like, oh, you got to watch it. And then I completely forgot about it. And then as soon as I finished watching Coming to America, I saw the little square or um, yeah icon or whatever for it. And I was like, oh. Watch this next. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check it out. And it is so good. It is so. So the premise is basically 
this mom, her, her daughter was a victim of a serial killer and Hmm. she's trying to get information from the serial killer's ex-girlfriend. That's basically what they tell you in the commercial. And that's all you need to know going in. You don't need to know anything else. You just need to know it is a wild ride. So tell me the, tell me the title again, because I'm bad at listening. Tell me your secrets. Tell me your secrets. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a good title. It's so good. I was, I binged it in a day. It's 10 episodes. I started it. So I watched Coming to America yeah. Friday night when it came out. And then as soon as I finished Coming to America, I started it and I just kept going. I got through episode like six, seven, maybe the beginning of seven. And then I was like, okay, I got to go to bed. And then as soon as I got up the next day, I was like, okay, I got to finish. <laughs> It's that's that's so good. That's a good recommendation. It was really good. So not even 24 hours did it take me to finish that. That is that we live in such a, a different time now where like binge watching an entire series is just the norm, right? Mm-hmm. So I have had the hardest time because I am really into NCIS because I've watched I binge watched like all the series. I'm now I've caught up, which is annoying because now I gotta wait. And I'm watching Resident Alien, but I can only watch Resident Alien when the episodes comes out because they're every week. And also Hell's Kitchen is only every week. So all of a sudden, after like a year of just binge watching stuff, three shows that are on my list of things I want to watch every week, I have to wait for. And evidently, I have lost the ability to wait a week to watch a show because I am so annoyed. <laughs> Hulu has started doing that now that they have their own programming. They only drop shows every week. And it's like, come on, Hulu. You yeah. want well, I mean, Disney, Disney did it with WandaVision. They're going to do it with Bucky and uh, the Winter Soldier. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, Falcon. Winter Soldier. Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I let you call it Falcon and Bucky because it's more fun when you say Falcon and Bucky. It sounds like a buddy comedy. I, I feel like it's going to have hints of buddy cop comedy in it. It is. It is. I don't know. So I watch way too many YouTube videos. I have learned from my kids that YouTube is this just giant library of ideas. And I had to stop watching all of the reaction videos and assumption videos and like theory videos for WandaVision because it was starting to make me not like I was watching the show and I was trying to wait for all these theories to happen. And so it was changing my enjoyment of the show. So I am, my goal is for Falcon and the winter soldier is to not watch any of those reaction videos, not get sucked into the theories, the fan theories and just enjoy it for what it is because WandaVision was great. But there were so many fan theories that people were upset, like, oh, we thought this was going to happen and it didn't. And it was like, well, why are we mad about that? Why can't right. we just enjoy it for what it is? So right. my goal for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is to not get sucked into the YouTube fan theories, which, I mean, I get it. All these content creators, they are trying to create videos that people want to watch because that's how they make money and that's how they their livelihood exists. And I have watched many of them and supported that. But it also is like, at some point you can't, 
you do yourself a disservice when you're trying to, you spend the whole time trying to figure out what's happening instead of enjoying what's happening. Yeah. All right. So um, the only other thing I started, I just started it last night. I'm the only one episode in is uh, behind her eyes, which apparently is a thriller. My mom watched it and she, I thought it was going to be scary because I don't do, I do thrillers. I don't do scary. My mom doesn't do scary either, but she ended up watching the whole thing. She said it was really good. So she watched it. And I know so I this, this would be our executive producer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she appreciated the shout out last week. So we'll give her another one. So <laughs> I'm going to check that out. <laughs> so is it be- behind her eyes. Uh-huh. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. See, there's so much stuff out there. It's, it is like overwhelming how many new shows and every time I turn around, there's like another show. So I was like, you gotta watch this. You gotta watch that. I mean, we are blessed with a preponderance of options at this point. Yeah. All right. So this is week or episode, I should say episode, episode 35, which means this week I get to start. Yes. It's my favorite week. So there was a time when stalking really, really was not taken so seriously. That is until this unfortunate case happened, forcing some major change. Hmm. So what does stalking entail? We all think we know exactly what stalking is. You have an idea. But if you look up the definition of stalking, it's the unwanted pursuit of another person, including things such as following a person, showing up their ho- at their home or employment, harassing phone calls, leaving written messages or, or objects and property destruction. And now in this day and age, we can also add cyber stalking to that. So mm-hmm. social media, anything having to do with technology, a computer, a phone, things like that. So according to the U.S. National Center for Victims of Crimes report in 2002, stalking is, quote, virtually any unwanted contact between two people that directly or indirectly communicates a threat or places the victim in fear. This, of course, leads us to our case this week, a stalking case. It's the Mm. story of actress Rebecca Schaefer. Rebecca was born Rebecca Lucille Schaefer on November 6th, 1967 in Eugene, Oregon to Dana Schaefer, Dana Wilder Schaefer, who was a writer and instructor at Portland Community College and Dr. Benson Schaefer, a child psychologist. Rebecca attended Lincoln High School and had early aspirations of becoming a rabbi, but modeling ended up taking center stage. She began modeling in her junior year at Lincoln High, and she started off by appearing in TV commercials and department store catalogs and as a TV extra. Well, after some serious discussions with her parents, remember she's in high school, um, her parents allowed her to move to New York City on her own in August of 1984 to pursue her modeling career by herself yes by herself damn those parents are brave also is a different time yes they are very brave because i'm not going to say that it, it, it was a different time but yes they were also very brave because if you said yeah. to a parent now in 2021 i'm gonna move to New York, <laughs> like hell 
And like I tried. My parents said no. And I was 20. <laughs> but I do think it was a very different time. And I think with her dad being maybe, a, maybe with her dad, this is just my opinion on this. I, I don't know. But with her dad being a child psychologist, maybe he felt like she was a bit more prepared or they had prepared her. I don't know. Well, yeah. And maybe they had the wherewithal to kind of be there more often. And So while she was working and, and pursuing this modeling career in New York, she attended the Professional Children's School. It's a small nonprofit college prep school that enrolls about 200 students in grades six through 12 per year. So she was able to finish school. So the school was actually established. So for young people on Broadway in vaudeville, um, yeah. it opened its doors in 1914. Back then when vaudeville was a big deal, you know, like vaudeville of course is completely non-existent now, but you hear, you still hear about it. Yeah. It's kind of become like synonymous with Broadway at this point. Right. So it was open for young people on Broadway in vaudeville and those young kids on the road. So uh, in 1984, late 1984, Rebecca landed a role on the soap opera, soap opera One Life to Live as Annie Barnes. That job lasted for about six months. Rebecca, she still had her hopes of modeling, but you know, she was 5'7", which meant she was really considered short for high fashion. Uh, and high fashion, you've got to be like 5'10", 5'11", 6 yeah. foot. So it was a difficult road for her. It was really hard for her to land modeling gigs. Of course, you know, like I mentioned, she did TV commercials, she did print ads, but she wanted that like runway fashion model. So four months after moving to New York in 1985, Rebecca briefly found herself modeling in Japan. Again, due to her height and weight, finding work was pretty difficult. So she moved back to New York and she decided, okay, well, maybe modeling isn't the way to go. So she just start, she starts to focus exclusively on acting. So Rebecca, after this is after her stint on One Life to Live and, and, and you know, trying to model, she gets another gig on another soap opera, a really quick stint on Guiding Light, which was one of the premier, like one, I think Guiding Light might be one of the oldest that was on television at the time. I mean, th those daytime soaps, they run forever. Yeah. Now, I don't think that Guiding Light is still on, but I know like One Life to Live is still on. So, I mean, soap, if you can I get a soap Dave opera gig. Yeah, like if you can get a soap opera gig, man, you're, you're set. Yeah. <laughs> But also, like, understandably, from an actor perspective, they probably want something a little bit more challenging. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a bad place to start. No, I'll take it. I mean, guaranteed anybody, paycheck every day? Why not? Anybody wants to put me on a soap opera right now, I am available. <laughs> so in 1986, Rebecca auditioned for and won the role of Communist's daughter in Woody Allen's film Radio Days. But she was mostly edited from the film. It only left a very short appearance, is a short, sweet appearance for her character in the film, basically. Just like a quick on off screen. Yeah. She supplemented her income by modeling and working as a waitress. 
It was a side modeling hustle that actually led to her big break. Rebecca appeared on the cover of Seventeen magazine. The cover actually caught the attention of a producer who was casting for the show, My Sister Sam, uh, My Sister Sam, starring Pam Dauber, who was actually still a really big deal at the time after appearing on Mork and Mindy with Funny Man Robin Williams. And if you have never seen an episode of Mork and Mindy, do yourself a favor and look it up because (laughs) it is one of the funniest. I mean, it's extremely 80s. Um, You know, it's a very dated show. But if you love Robin Williams, it's a great show. It's a great show. Nanu, Nanu, yeah. And I actually think that's probably... You know, it, it was their big break for both of them. They both yeah. were household names with that show. Of course, Robin Williams carried on and after we'll see why, but Pam Dauber kind of, she, I mean, she still acts, but she, she just wasn't, she didn't blow up like Robin Williams did. Yeah. And historically it's way harder for women to continue to act as they age than men, which is entirely unfair, but it is a thing that Hollywood does. Mm-hmm. But I think this story has some to do with it as well. Fair. So Rebecca landed the role of Patricia Patty Russell, a teenager who moves from Oregon to San Francisco to live with her older sister, Samantha, a.k.a. Sam, after the death of their parents. She actually lived with Pam in real life and Pam's husband, Mark Harmon, for a period of time after getting the job. Of course, you mentioned NCIS. So if you watch NCIS, you know exactly who Mark Harmon is. And was also in last week's episode, we mentioned Chicago Hope. He was in that too. Yes. And Pam and Mark are still married to this day. So the series was initially a hit. It ranked in the top 25. It aired 44 episodes between 1986 and 1988, during which time Rebecca's fan base exploded. Unfortunately, the show was canceled halfway through the second season due to failing ratings, which we think of shows being canceled really quick now. Imagine being canceled back then. Like now, because everything is so instant, if a show doesn't do well, it it could be canceled after like three episodes. So imagine how, how much it had to have been declining in the ratings for them to cancel it halfway through the second season in the 80s when they didn't have instant access to these numbers. I'm not quite sure what it was about this show that um, didn't hit that second season, but I remember it was, it was, it was huge. That first season was huge. Like everybody talked about my sister, Sam. Hmm. So after the show ended, Rebecca had supporting roles on several shows, including scenes from the class struggle in Beverly Hills and end of innocence and a role in the TV movie out of time. It was a pilot that failed And then it was later turned into a movie. In 1989, she actually became a spokesperson for Thursday's Child, which is a charity for at-risk teens. So real quick, we're going to leave Rebecca right here as the spokesperson. And we're going to go and talk about Robert John Bardo, who was born January 2nd of 1970 to a Japanese mom and a U.S. airman father. Robert. Had a very troubled childhood. 
He was the youngest of seven children and he was abused by one of his siblings. And then he was placed into foster care after threatening suicide. Robert John Bardo was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 15 and institutionalized for a month. Between 1987 and 1989, he was arrested three different times on charges of domestic violence and disorderly conduct. By now you're wondering, who is this dude? Why are we talking about him? Mm. It's all going to come together. Yeah. So Robert John Bardo developed an obsession with Rebecca Schaefer sometime in the late 80s, about 85, late 85, early 86. He had previously been obsessed with child peace activist Samantha Smith. Tragically, Samantha died in a plane crash in 1985, so Robert's attentions shifted. Robert began writing multiple letters to Rebecca, one of which she answered in 1987, which at the time, that was the thing. Like now, I don't even think celebrities read their fan mail, but back then, celebrities would read their fan mail every once in a while. They just pick one out of the pile and they'd respond or they'd send you a headshot that was autographed. And, you know, it was a, it was a big thing. I don't even do, do people even write celebrities like that anymore? I mean, in the nineties, you could like send your baseball card to a baseball player and with a note saying like, can you sign this? And they would sign it and send it back. But I don't think that's a thing anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I never hear of people like you hear of fan clubs, but you don't hear of people like writing letters anymore. That like yeah. back now, then now that was like, the thing. Now stalkers just create like an Instagram that pretends to be them. Or yeah, or you follow them on Instagram and try to message just them slide, or get a, the DMs, as a they say. Comment or whatever. Yeah. Any response is a good response. Right. Or you tweet at them or whatever. Anyway, in 1987, Robert traveled from Tucson to Los Angeles because he wanted to meet Rebecca while she was on the set of My Sister Sam. But Warner Brothers security would not let him on set. They completely blocked him, turned him away at the gate. Robert tried again a month later, this time returning to the set with a knife. Fortunately, again... Security foiled his plans. So after this failed attempt, he returned home to Tucson and he shifted his focus for a little bit to some other celebrities like Madonna, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Derwish, which back then she was just known as Tiffany, which if you've ever watched How I Met Your Mother, I think that Robin Scherbatsky's mall character is actually based on Tiffany. Yeah. That feels very similar. Because Tiffany was a completely created character. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1989, Robert watched the black comedy that we mentioned, the scenes, uh, scenes from the class struggle in Beverly Hills. We mentioned that earlier, um, that Rebecca has more, she's got like some supporting scenes in it as the character Zandra. Well, in this movie, Rebecca has a, sex scene this sex scene angered robert it angered him so much 
that he decided that Rebecca needed to be punished for becoming, quote, another Hollywood whore. In 1982, Arthur Richard Jackson had stalked and stabbed Raging Bull actress Teresa Saldana. An article in People magazine revealed that Arthur had used a private investigator to obtain Teresa's address. This gave Robert John Bardo an idea. And FYI, Teresa did survive her attack, and she even starred in a TV movie about her attack. It's 1984's Victims for Victims, the Teresa Saldana story. Teresa actually passed away in 2016 due to complications from pneumonia. Arthur received the maximum sentence allowed, which was 12 years. I don't think that's enough. I'm saying you tried to kill somebody. That's not, that's not enough. But Teresa Saldana, if you should, if you get a chance, look into her story because, or maybe it's one we'll, we'll do later, but for her to go through that and then star in a movie about her own attack is really something. Yeah. Because she had to relive that moment. I can't imagine I'm sure on one hand it was extremely therapeutic, but on the other hand, it's gotta be like, oh my gosh. Like, oh yeah. well, and maybe she and maybe she thought this is a way that I could help others avoid the same fate. Exactly. And that's why she did it. Yeah. So after reading this article, Robert paid a private detective agency in Tucson $250 to find Rebecca's home address in California through the state's DMV records. Robert's brother helped him to obtain a Ruger GP100 357 handgun. Now, Robert was not able to obtain his own handgun because of his issues in the past. That's why mm-hmm. he had to get his brother's help. Which, as his brother, why? Why would you do that? What were you thinking? Once Nothing again, good. no. So once again, Robert goes back to Los Angeles, but this time he avoids the TV set altogether because he doesn't need it. He's got her home address. So he goes right to her neighborhood and he begins asking around about her and he finally finds the right address. He rings a doorbell. Well, that day, just by some weird coincidence, that day, Rebecca had an audition for The Godfather Part 3 and she was expecting a script to be delivered. So without any thought or hesitation, she opened the door thinking it was her script being delivered. When she opens the door, there stands Robert John Bardo. Robert shows her the letter and the autographed photo that she sent him. He was also carrying a copy of The Catcher in the Rye, which if you don't know, that's the same book that Mark David Chapman was carrying when he shot John Lennon. Yeah, and there is many conspiracy theories that say that that is the trigger book for undercover assassins. So Rebecca indulged Robert in a short conversation and then she politely asked him to leave and to not return to her house again. Hey man, you can't just, now I appreciate you, but you can't just show up to my house. I mean, I think that's what anybody would do. Yeah. She wasn't worried about it. He left peacefully. She goes on about her day. While he leaves, he goes to a nearby diner. He grabs breakfast. 
he eats, and then about an hour later, he decides to go back to Rebecca's apartment. Robert said she opened the door this time and she was not the same friendly Rebecca that she was the last time. She opened the door with a cold blank stare. He said he pulled out the gun and fired, shooting Rebecca at point blank range, hitting her directly in the heart. She stood in the doorway of her apartment. When talking with forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Park Dietz, Robert John said Rebecca uttered, why? Why? He said, I was still fumbling around thinking I should blow my head off and fall on her. Rebecca's neighbor, another actress named Lynn Marta, heard the shot and called police. Help arrives. They rush Rebecca to the ER at Cedar sinai Center, where she was pronounced dead 30 minutes later. Rebecca was buried at a Javi Shalom Cemetery in Portland, Oregon. According to ABC News, Robert Bardo fled the scene and was later found running down the interstate 10 in Tucson yelling, I killed Rebecca Schaefer. He had a photograph of her in his pocket at the time. Police arrested him and he immediately confessed to what he had done. Marsha Clark, who we all we all recognize the name Marsha Clark from the yeah. O.J. Simpson case, whether you know the actual case or you have seen the uh, televised reenactment that like won awards, everybody recognizes the name Marsha Clark. Marsha actually prosecuted the case against Robert Bardo. Marsha said he was not insane. He was obsessed. Robert's attorney tried the insanity plea, arguing that he suffered from a mental condition. Robert's brother and sister testified that he dropped out of high school to undergo treatment. He wasn't legally allowed to buy a firearm. Again, I say to the brother, why would you help him? What is wrong? What, if, if, he, if you know he can't legally obtain this weapon, why would you help him? What, for what purpose? Nothing good. In 1991, Robert Bardo was convicted of capital murder by a judge and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Due to this tragic incident, federal law regarding the release of personal information through the DMV was changed, which like you think about that now and it's insane that any person could have walked into the DMV and paid, you know, 10 bucks or whatever and gotten someone's address. And I actually know someone that that happened to years ago. And that's insane. It's insane that it's that, that it was that easy to get someone's personal information, but it was a different, I guess, you know, it was a different time. Things are way, things are way different now. They are. And I mean, like now we have HIPAA laws. So like if you go to a restaurant and you are told that someone at the restaurant tested positive for COVID, they will never tell you the name because their name is protected. Right. And how is that only for medical stuff? Like, it's, it's wild. Yeah. So the Driver's Privacy Protection Act uh, was enacted in 1994. This prevents the DMV from releasing private addresses. I, like I said, I can't believe that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca's death also helped prompt the 1990 passage of America's first anti-stalking laws. Rebecca at the time of her death, was dating director Brad uh, Silberling. Her death influenced his film Moonlight Mile in 2002 about a man's grief after his fiance is murdered. 
Following Rebecca's death, her co-stars from My Sister Sam, Pam Dauber, Joel Brooks, David Naughton, and Jenny O'Hara filmed a public service announcement for the Center to Prevent Handgun Violence in honor of Rebecca. On April 12th of 2001, 2020 released a two-hour documentary called Your Biggest Fan about Rebecca just months before the 30th anniversary of her death. The documentary contains interviews with family, former co-stars, and Marsha Clark, the deputy district attorney that prosecuted the case. January 2017 was the premiere of Dana Schaefer, Rebecca's mom, her one-woman production called You in Midair, Elegy for a Daughter. The performance included memories, wisdom, talk of loss, and humor. As for Robert John Bardo, he continues to serve his sentence at uh, Avenal State Prison in Central California. He suffered serious injuries in 2001 when a fellow inmate stabbed him 11 times at Mule State, Mule Creek State Prison. Robert John Bardo will never, ever see freedom again. And that is the story, the tragic story of actress Rebecca Schaefer. It always really sucks that someone has to die for laws to change yeah (laughs) like if somebody says to you hey there's this creep that keeps following me it shouldn't take someone having to be brutally attacked like Teresa Saldana or die like Rebecca Schaefer for people to go oh maybe you know what we should do something about those crazy people after all well and like just the fact of how easy it was to get their personal information. I mean, hopefully that's something that is not as accessible these days, but I don't know. Like you go on the internet, you can find a lot of stuff. Yeah. You have to be very, very careful. Very careful. That's just like with the pictures you post online, there's, you know, data of geotags and yeah you have to you have to turn those off i mean you forget to turn them off there's all your information right there you go on facebook you forget to turn off or or twitter and you forget to lo- turn off your location it's right there instagram yeah. there's so many ways for people to find you unknowingly and you if you're just if you're not paying attention and and it's sad that you have to pay that much attention i mean and we're the weird modern reality is that we're all public figures in some way because we're putting our stuff out there. Right. So we are all, well, I wouldn't say all, but we're all susceptible to someone deciding they want to follow you around or have a crush or become obsessed with you because your Instagram photo or Twitter tweet or Facebook post could have you as many audience members today as maybe a show did then. Mm-hmm. So that, of course, you know, we, we always say be careful, but in this day and age, you really, really have to be careful. And you have to, I had on the shirt today, trust your guts. They're probably nuts because you don't know somebody's true intentions. You know, if you've got a bad vibe, don't open that door. And every social media outlet, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, has ways that you can hide your location, protect your privacy. Mm -hmm. 
they don't do a great job of promoting that they have those, but they have them. And if you are worried, there are ways that you can hide yourself or give yourself more protection. Not to say that you should have to do that, but it doesn't hurt to be cautious. Realistically do it. Just, just do it. Just be on the safe side, err on the side of caution and do it. There you go. That's the B side. And now it's time for the A side where I talk about music, movies, entertainment, random memories of all the above that I have. And as I was listening to the B side today, it reminded me how there are so many paths to celebrity. And one of the things that I have struggled with, Brooke, as we've done this podcast is you and I are both huge into music. We wouldn't have gotten into radio if we weren't, but there's a challenge with music and doing a podcast. Like we can't play a lot of music because of music rights and things. Mm -hmm. uh, forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but like we get like three seconds of something and we have to cut it off. Three to five, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a slippery slope, but music is so huge in both one of the reasons I wanted to be in radio and why I was drawn to radio and I'm sure the same is for you. And there's this weird knife's edge that we run when we're doing a podcast because we want to talk about music, but we can't play any of the music. So how do we do that without violating any rules? And understandably, artists have created amazing works and they should deserve to get paid for it. So I'm not saying they shouldn't. Uh, but it is a challenge to try to find a way to talk about things that are beholden to copyright. But one of my favorite memories from when you and I were doing the morning show is that every single day you would get CDs delivered to your desk just nonstop. Every day it was like a pile of CDs. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was four or five or up to 10. All these songs that wanted to be on the radio there, you know, it was the equivalent of just, you know, throwing it against the wall, see if something sticks. Like, we'll send this to every radio station and see if somebody listens to it and wants to put it on air. And it's not as easy as that, but I loved walking over to your desk and trying to look at the new CDs and grab stuff that I thought I might be interested in. And for me, it was this amazing opportunity to hear new music and listen to it and have the CDs just, just came in from the record labels and distributors before anybody else. And it probably was the guiltiest pleasure of working in radio 
was getting to hear all this music before anybody else. And I grew up in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and we are the 15th largest market in the nation. But historically, at least when I was growing up, our radio stations were very hesitant to play anything new. It had to be a hit in markets one through 20 before we would even start playing it. So I felt like I wasn't hearing any new music. And I would go to family unions where my cousins are in Salt Lake and Denver, and they're hearing all sorts of new music before I had ever heard it. I mean, I remember the first time I heard anything by Vanilla Ice was at a family Christmas party and it still hadn't played on Twin Cities radio. And I was so blown away that here's this new sound and it's been on their airs for two, three months. But the Twin Cities is not historically known for being very adventurous. So I learned at an early age that I was going to have to find other outlets for music. And one of the unexpected ways that I have found music is through video games. The soundtracks for games like FIFA or NBA 2K or even something a little bit less uh, mainstream as like Skyrim or The Witcher have definitely impacted my music taste for the last 25 years. And a few years ago, there was a song in FIFA 19, or sorry, FIFA 17, sorry, my bad, um, called Play God. And it would just play during the, like the menu when I'm picking teams, occasionally when you're like setting up like a trade or something, it was always just like background music. But I have found so many songs that I've really, really loved through FIFA that I have started to listen a little bit more and say, hey, where did this come from? Who was behind this? And Play God was written by a very young artist in the UK named Sam Fender. And one thing that I think has really been, I mean, we've lost many things during the COVID and we will never get back so much of it. But I discovered Sam Fender in 2017 and then he released his big album in 2018 and he won the British 2019 Rising Star Award. And he was on the ascent to being a huge star. And then two things happened. One, he'd been touring and performing so much that he literally messed with his vocal cords where they were injured and he had to stop singing for a while. And then all of a sudden, pandemic hit. And to my discredit, I completely forgot about him. I had listened to his album a bunch before pandemic Mm -hmm. and then pandemic hit. And I kind of just completely let it slip my mind. And last week, a friend of mine posted a, on Instagram, a poster of a concert that they 
had like they were like if i could go to this concert like hopefully when everything clears up i will go to this concert and he was listed as one of the one of the undercards and i said hey have you listened to any sam fender and they're like no and i'm like here take all these links and then i realized i haven't listened to sam in at least a year as well so for the last three days i have been just kind of diving into his album both the ep that came out in november 2018 which was called dead boys and his debut album which was called hypersonic missiles which came out in september of 2019 and with my diving back in came a lot of guilt that i totally put on myself no one else brought it but i forgot how much i enjoyed his music and then i just forgot about it for an entire year because of pandemic um he is a very unique voice and i only discovered him because i am a fan of the newcastle united soccer team which is not an easy thing to say right now because they're about to be relegated again uh they're kind of the Minnesota Vikings of the Premier League. They are always kind of good, but never good enough. And when they're really good, they do something horrible to mess it up. And sometimes they're really bad. Mm-hmm. And they're owned by a guy who runs a retail store. <laughs> uh, so basically, he runs like the Dick Sporting Goods of England. Uh, and he is basically just all about the money and has run the team into the ground. So but not Newcastle Ted Lasso. is also the No, not Ted Lasso. Like oh my god, I hate Steve Bruce. So if they could get the actual Ted Lasso to run the team for the rest of the year, we might maybe avoid rele- relegation. <laughs> Although Ted's team didn't either, but eh, I'd rather have Ted Lasso than Steve Bruce. <laughs> uh, Steve Bruce is the ultimate like just good enough but not really sure what he's doing coach. So like, he's just there like, he's not bad, but he's also not good. And at this point we need somebody who's okay. As opposed to not good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Newcastle is a very blue collar, old industrial area, uh, similar to maybe like Pittsburgh, New Jersey, uh, the Rust Belt of the U.S. And so Sam Fender is this kid who's growing up kind of in the less advantageous area of the country, figuring out what he's going to do with his life. And his brother, older brother, who's about, I think, three or four years older, buys him some CDs by Bruce Springsteen. Mm Mm-hmm. And this immediately quick side note. Quick side note. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm I'm pulling it out here. Yeah. You're alive. Speaking of Bruce Springsteen, totally have to listen to the Renegades podcast with Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama. It's amazing. Yes. I know we've talked about it before and I still haven't done it, but I definitely I, I have a brand new appreciation and love for Bruce Springsteen. He is I mean, it's I didn't get the level of political discourse in his songs because 
and I'm, I'm, I may I may offend people when I say this, but Born in the USA, if you just listen to the chorus, it sounds like this really happy American plus song. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a song that asks questions and challenges people, but we play it at sporting events. Like, it's just okay. And like, the only people that sing along only know the chorus. And I feel like <laughs> right. that's concerning because so much else of the song is not what these guys are to the US. No, no, we're not. That's, it's not that. Um, but so anyway, uh, Sam Fender, his brother gives him a few CDs of Bruce Springsteen and he starts playing and Sam was literally like on the street, busking, playing guitar, uh, going to pubs and playing in the pubs when he was like 15, 16 year old. And he gets discovered by this agent who says, Hey, you're really good, but also you're a pretty attractive man. And I will say this, Sam Fender is an attractive dude. So instead of letting him continue his music, they stuck him on a couple of sitcoms basically and dramedies and made him an actor. And he even said, I stopped acting because when you act, you have to follow someone else's script. But when I write songs, I write the script. He looks like he could be Angelina Jolie's brother. You know, um, her brother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's name. a pretty, he's a very pretty man. He, uh, he got out of the whole, he, he could have continued to be an actor. Like he could have been an actor and gotten paid and just been somebody who recited somebody else's lines, but he couldn't do it. He was like, I want to tell the stories that I want to tell through my music. And one of the big songs that kind of put him on the map. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to it here because I want to make sure I get the right title. Um, talked about the suicide of one of his best friends who they grew up together. They struggled. They were both trying to find a way and he wrote the song and really fought because everyone who heard it wanted him to publish it. But he said, I don't know if I want to be that out there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I don't know if I want to, put myself out there as much as it would be to have the song out there. Eventually he did. Uh, He's got the debut EP, which was a short play uh, called Dead Poise, which had it on it. And then his big move was after his EP, he won the Critics' Choice Award in 2019 at the Brit Awards. And this is kind of the award where if you win that, then that's all the British critics saying, you're going to be the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Like people who have won it before were like uh, Sam Smith and Oasis. And it was a big deal. And so suddenly he writes this whole full-length album It comes out in fall of 2019. It hits number one on the charts. And this is when I really, like I heard the song 
play God on FIFA, but I didn't really know who he was until. And so I'm a Newcastle United fan. I think I mentioned that. And I'm on all these Facebook groups for other Newcastle United fans. And all of a sudden there was this kid who grew up in Newcastle on the wrong side of the tracks who had hit number one in England close to Christmas day. And if you've seen, uh, what's the movie? Um, Bend it like Beckham. No, the, oh, no, no. It's the one, it's the one, it's the, the really like British romantic comedy. And the one guy is trying to get his, his record to be number one on Christmas day. I should have looked this up first, but it's a big deal to be number one on Christmas day in England. And I'm going to remember this at like two in the morning and text Brooke. And it's be very annoying for both of us because she'll be like, I'm sleeping. Why are you telling me now? It was one with Hugh Grant and like the, he was the prime minister. All right, hold Not on. Love Actually. Uh, yes, it was Love Actually. Oh, well, that was the first one I was going to yeah. say, and I didn't think that was it. Yeah, yeah, because there were like so many characters in that movie, but there was like uh, Bill Nighy plays like the guy who's trying to get his song to number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that was the big deal. Like number one on Christmas is a huge deal, as I understand it through Love Actually. Maybe it's not. Our listeners in England can tell me I'm full of baloney, which they usually do but that's totally fine um (laughs) but he blows up and he's this kid from the wrong side of the tracks in newcastle and is trying to deal with all of this amazing fame then he literally goes on a does a performance where he is concerned about his voice and damages his vocal cords and has to shut down for a while and then all of a sudden pandemic hits So here's this kid who has fought for every single step he got, then suddenly came really big, and then the entire world shuts down. And then all of a sudden, in June of last year, he was the first one to get to perform live when last summer, and as this is a roller coaster, it's like shut down, open up, shut down, open up. Like we've all been through it in different stages. England seems to have done the most like extreme, like shut everything down, open up, shut everything down, open up. And he was one of the first who got to perform in a specifically designed setting for live concerts, but social distanced. Mm-hmm. And he blew up. It was a great concert. People had nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, Shut down again. Uh, And now he is working on his second album. And hopefully it will be out this spring. And I had tickets to his performance here in the Twin Cities before it got shut down a year and a half ago or a year ago at this point. So if you are looking for a soulful working class storyteller vibe with a hauntingly memorable voice, and you've listened to all of the Bruce Springsteen albums and you want to hear something that feels familiar, but just a little bit new, 
for the last week, I have fallen asleep to Sam Fender's album, Hypersonic Missiles, and I would highly recommend it. It is melodic. It is lyrical. It is full of passion and emotion and yet not overbearing. And I am annoyed with myself that it took me 11 months to rediscover him because of all the pandemic stuff and just kind of checking out of music and worrying about how music can affect my emotions. But I would highly recommend if you're looking for a new album for your run, for your dinner, for your shower time in the morning, which is when I like to play music the most, play it on the shower and just kind of get prepared for the day. Uh, check out Sam Fender's Hypersonic Missiles. You will not regret it. All right. I'm putting it on my Spotify playlist. Uh, and I would say on, on the songs, Will We Talk is incredibly poignant for the hookup age and also the challenges of dealing with relationships in a modern era and also kind of heartbreaking because sometimes you just want to be able to connect with someone and also see them in the morning and the modern age doesn't always allow that. That's the thing. I think this is the first time you've focused on no I take that back it's not I was going to say, I think this is the first time you focus on like one particular artist, but it's not. It's not, but I, I, I'm hesitant to do it because it's so hard because what I really want to do is like ha like five times through today, I was like, and listen to this clip, but we can't do that. So Copyright. Sam Fender, what's the album yeah. again? Hypersonic Missiles. And the, the number one single is Will We Talk? I'm writing it down. Yeah. All right. He's got, he's got a haunting voice, but it's still soulful. And it's it's hard for me to talk about music because like I want to play a clip. I want to play the songs. Like that's that's what we that's what I loved about being on radio is that we could share something about an artist and we'd play their song and then we could say something else about them. And like that that ability to have a full musical sandwich. It's not something we can do in a podcast. But the good thing is if they're listening on Spotify or Apple, they can just go check them out now. Yeah, they can. Or they could just pause it and then listen and then come back. True. Because <laughs> that, that, that would fulfill my ego's need, which is really what this is all about. <laughs> all right. So is that the A side? That is the A side. All right. So again, with each episode, you can always find our sources on our website, uh, a side, b side podcast.square.site. We also post photos on our website as well as on our Instagram, which is a side, b side, uh, a side underscore b side underscore podcast. We also have an Instagram, uh, I said Instagram. We also have a Twitter and a Facebook that we post to as well. And an email, you can email us. It's a side, b side podcasts at gmail.com. We would absolutely appreciate you and adore you. Well, we already adore you, but we'd adore you even more if you head on over to Apple and give us a rating slash review. 
It really does help. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can buy us a coffee, buymeacoffee.com slash pod. And uh, there's merch uh, on our store. I am actually wearing, it's not available. I'm trying to decide if it should be. I have on Bad Vibes Save Lives sweatshirt because I love sweatshirts. Yeah. I've I've had two people ask. Have you? To become available. So, yeah. Serious? Oh, well, then I'm going to have to put it on the site. It's going to be available yeah. then. It's It's a really good sweatshirt. So, all right. So I guess I will be adding the bad vibe saves lives as a sweatshirt onto our website. <laughs> and as always, as Brooke always mentions, uh, if you have a story that you would like her to look into or a media musician, songwriter, movie guy that you saw from one thing that you want me to look into, we are always welcoming those uh, suggestions. Absolutely. DM us, uh, PM us, whatever you want to call it. Email us and let us know. All right. So I guess there you go. There's another episode of A-Side, B-Side podcast. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Brooke. As always, thank you for listening to A-Side, B-Side podcast. If you enjoy the show, please, if you don't mind, head on over to Apple and leave us a rating or a review. And if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, you can do so by heading on over to Patreon or you can buy us a coffee, as well as buying merch on our website, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. From Adam and I at A-Side, B-Side podcast, please remember to wear your mask, social distance if you're around people that don't live in your household, and just be safe and happy. Thanks again from us here at A-Side B-Side Podcast.